Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shan Ambrose on the other end of the Skyline. And again, we're so happy to have join us again, this time directly from Loch Derg, actually, in County Donegal, Father Eamon Conway. Good, good evening to you, Father Eamon. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Lovely to be with you. Hope all is well there. All is well. Thank you so much, Father Eamon, for joining us again. Again, to give us a reflection and give us some information, especially for those people who may be not too sure what Loch Derg is all about and so on and so forth. So maybe that's a good place to start. What is Loch Derg and where is it? Oh, oh, sorry, should I say the Sanctuary well, of St. Patrick? We're talking about a beautiful, uh, a beautiful lake in northwest Donegal, not, not the Loch Derg on the Shannon, but another one, uh, mm-hmm. up in south, uh, north Donegal, south Donegal, just over, just on the border really, near uh, Pedigo, I guess, not too far from Donegal town. And um, as you can imagine, these last few days with the weather, it has just been absolutely beautiful. I've been calling it the Costa del Loch Derg, you know. (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, Pilgrims here, the biggest concern they've had have not so much been the traditional frostbite, but sunburn. So so, uh, it's uh, it's been exceptional, really is. So the season for the traditional three-day pilgrimage opened on June the 1st. And we've had approximately, uh, I would say, 1,600 pilgrims. Uh, already, which is wonderful, and uh, you know, every time I come here, I work here. I've been working here since I was a seminarian, uh, so for nearly 35 years at this stage. And every time I come here, I go and check the register for exactly 100 years before. So this year, uh, 2018, on the 1st of June, we had 100 more pilgrims than we had on 1918 on the 1st of June. We had nearly oh, wow. 600 pilgrims here for the opening of the season. So, you know, it's all relative, and there certainly have been times in our history when uh, there were a lot more pilgrims here than there are now, but there were also times when there were a lot less. For example, at the time, uh, the 30 years after the famine, we know uh, that the annual uh, pilgrimage, uh, probably about three or 4,000 stu- uh, people would come on pilgrimage. Now it's, a, it's around double that on the three-day. And, of course, in the interim, then, uh, we've had these one-day retreats in uh, mainly the end of March and April and May, and again now they'll run from after the 15th of August up to into October. Wonderful. I mean, it's completely booked out this year for school retreats uh, once the schools reopen in September, October. So, you know, there's a great sense of life here. And for those who may not have been here for some time, uh, the, the buildings are in very, very good nick. Some beautiful religious art here. Of course, we have lovely Honan windows in the Basilica. And mm. this is one of the two national basilicas. I mean, we are obviously familiar with Knock, but this is the other national basilica, St. Patrick's Basilica here, built in the 1930s. So, in fact, it's the, also the oldest uh, or the older of the two basilicas. So, as you can gather by now, I'm quite a fan of Loch Derg. And... Um, I, I mean, the book I brought out a couple of years ago, the title was Island of Quiet Miracles. And that's really what I would say is the secret of Loch Derg, that every single morning here, particularly during the Sacrament of Reconciliation, I can say with all my heart and with all my soul that miracles happen, that people manage to unburden themselves of something they may have been carrying for some time, maybe a hurt that they have caused or a hurt that has been uh, caused to them and that they've been uh, languishing with and carrying around for, for decades, perhaps, in some instances. And maybe also it can be a moment where they see the way forward through some very difficult personal circumstances. I think when you do the Loch Derg pilgrimage, uh, you find that all your senses are heightened, that there's a real sense of that without food, without sleep, without, without shoes. And, it, you know, this is the odd thing. It actually works. 
everybody, you know, you might say it's crazy, but that's what people say. It sounds crazy, but it actually works. And the senses are heightened, and there's an openness to the depths of one's own spiritual self and, and, and the depths of, of, of God's presence in one's life. And uh, this is the miracle of luck. It's been going on here now for the best part of 1,500 years. Father Eamon, I suppose many people would ask the question maybe, are they tough enough to do Loch Derg? Uh, because I suppose it's sometimes seen as kind of, um, how will I put it, uber penitential in some respects. The tradition, you know, as you said, the bare feast, the, the, only the, 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 the Loch Derg soup, which is water and the biscuits, and, you know, and, and staying up for the vigil. You know, some people might have this thing in their head that it's not for them. Well, you know, it is tougher. I would say it's actually tougher than it was a few hundred years ago because being barefoot, you know, going without sleep, having a very, very simple diet was probably the, the, the fate of many, if not the majority of people, you know, uh, a couple of centuries ago. So in some respects, because of our luxury lifestyle, uh, it is actually a greater sense of deprivation. But I can tell you that uh, one pilgrim leaving on Sunday morning last uh, turned around and he said, I could have spent 10 times that amount of money uh, on, a, on a luxury weekend spa and I wouldn't have had a fraction of the sense of well-being and satisfaction and peace and serenity that I have this morning as I leave this island. Now that is not unusual. Mm. That is just not unusual at all. On the issue of are you tough enough, I, I think you're right, but the toughness that's needed actually is not so much the physical um, demands of it, but it's the, it's the, it's the openness to being vulnerable to oneself and to God. I think that's where the toughness is needed. Are you prepared to allow yourself to be vulnerable in the presence of God and one, and one another? Uh, and that, I think, is the, is the harder. The humility, really, is another way of putting it. The humility to be yourself before God. You know, there's no makeup on Loch Derg. Uh, there's no masks here. Um, actually, this is a, an insight I've had this year, for, maybe for the first time. The really privileged people are those who can take off their shoes. Those of us, when we're here, as I am at the moment, working here, your, your shoes almost seem like a, a barrier uh, to that humility, to that sense of being at one with nature and at one with other people. So, you know, the, 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 a few years ago, the slogan uh, for, the, for the promoting the island was just do it, because it's very difficult to explain it until you come here. Mm. But, you know, one young person here uh, at the weekend, the, the Derry Dices had a group of young people here, and one young person said to me, um, who's doing it for the, uh, I think the second time uh, in this, yeah, I'd say 2021, uh, and, you know, the Queen's University at 33 here earlier, but um, he said that, he said, you know, I, I, I really just love the, the serenity, the peace, uh, he said, getting away from the technology, that his hand was instinctively going to his pocket for his phone at any quiet moment. But the discipline of that is something he hoped he'd take here, home with him. And can I just share with you, uh, there's many, many wonderful books on Loch Derg uh, going back over the centuries, really. We've written some very good records about it. But I just picked one up last night in preparation for this that was published in 1944 uh, by Alice Curtain, who was one of the best historians of the island. I think you'll just enjoy this. Uh, this paragraph, and that's all I'll read. But she says, the most attractive aspect of the island routine is that it is a complete suspension of normal living. Um, and then she goes on and says, there are, of course, no telephones uh, to distract or wireless programs to assail the nerves. There's a complete <laughs> absence of the fuss, clatter, and compulsory absorption in petty trifles that make up the confusion of everyday life. All that bustle, 
so frequently mistaken for achievement. All that hugger-mugger is left behind on the mainland and the pilgrim steps into a new air. Oh, that's brilliant. That was 1944. That was going to say 1944. Uh, does, it hasn't changed, has it? <laughs> no. And, you know, a beautiful saying one pilgrim said to me uh, the other morning, he said, he said, when you come to Loch Derg and you drink what he called the pure water, you know that everything else is just tap water. He wasn't mm. referring to water at all, of course, but just the, the purity of the, of the experience here. It's one of our best-kept secrets in some respects. Mm. People don't think of coming here uh, so much on pilgrimage, I guess, they go off on the Camino, and I think that's obviously very, very powerful as well. But increasingly now, we're, we're finding people interested in researching it. When I was here for the opening weekend in June, we had three Italian uh, university professors, uh, one a professor of comparative religions with a specialism in uh, Japanese Buddhism, who's looking at comparative experiences of pilgrimage across the religions. And I think there's a timeliness, really, about our recovery and rediscovery of a pilgrimage. We know... We know for certain that there was a Christian presence here very shortly after the time of St. Patrick, and that there's been an unbroken Christian presence here ever since. There might be some listeners um, who really are not too aware what the programme involves for a three-day pilgrimage. Could you just run through what a three-day pilgrimage involves? Yeah, so if you were thinking of near tomorrow, or any day between now and the 13th of August, uh, when the three-day closes. So if you're thinking of coming here tomorrow, then from midnight tonight, you don't eat anything. You can drink as much water as you like, but you don't eat or drink anything else other than water. I would say you try to get to the island for about uh, midday or early afternoon at the latest. Mm. When you arrive, you'll be shown to a cubicle uh, where you can leave a little dormitory, but you have privacy. You've got con- considerable privacy where you can leave your belongings. You leave your shoes there as well, and then you come down and you'll be given a leaflet and if you're doing it for the first time, you have to complete three station prayers. It's known as Station Island, three sets of prayers. And they're around the cells of Anchorite monks, probably going back certainly to the end of the, of the, la, of the, of the around the 900s, maybe even earlier. We're not 100% certain. The, the pilgrimage was spread over two islands, actually. Uh, but these are probably the cells of Anchorite monks. And they've been, you know... Uh, worn by the feet of so many pilgrims over the centuries. And you do three sets of prayers. It probably lasts, each lasts just over the hour. Uh, walking around, it's a, it's a prayer of the body, of movement of, of um, arms and, and legs and, and, and words and so on. And then you can have a meal, which is uh, bread or toast. Uh, there are some uh, um, oat cakes, which are fine. I never find the hunger a real challenge, actually. And you get black tea or coffee with as much sugar as you need. So, you know, that sustains you, to be honest, uh, really. Um, then uh, there's Emas at 6.30. There's night prayer at 9.30, both beautiful liturgies, and a lot of work is put into the quality of the liturgy here. And then there's a talk, uh, and you're going on vigil. You're going to be awake for 24 hours. And this is at the heart of the pilgrimage. And it goes back to, uh, again, the ancient pilgrimage, which was much longer. It, it, in t- at times it was 15 days, and then it was nine days, it's now three, uh, where people were locked into a cave for a period of time to do battle with their demons. I mean, there was a deep psychology behind that, in a sense. And uh, this gave rise to it being called St. Patrick's Purgatory, because that could be a very difficult time as well. Well, the modern equivalent of that is that people go into the basilica at night, which is in the shape of a cave. They're not locked in, of course, but, uh, but they have a talk for the first hour. And then they do a number of those station-type prayers during the night. They do another uh, five of those during the night. And... 
uh, sorry, four plus the, ro- the rosary. So they're awake all night and they're really on the move all night with their fellow pilgrims. And the group sizes will vary as to when you come here. It could be a couple of hundred, it could be 50, it depends on when you come. And then there's mass at 6.30 and then there's the, renewal, the reconciliation, uh, sacrament of penance at 8.30, renewal of baptism promises at 12, uh, stations of the cross at 3, mass again at 6, and then night prayer, and you can go to bed. Now, in the intervening time, there's a lot of downtime. There is a struggle. Maybe the main struggle is to keep awake. But there, in that intervening time, I always find you're, you're open to the surprise of Christ, that there's an openness to God speaking to you in a way. I mean, a lot of people come here, understandably, with intentions, as we say, with, with a shopping list of what they want to get out of the pilgrimage. But what is extraordinary is what God can actually surprise us with, that you may have your shopping list, but God may have God's shopping list for you as well. And there's this encounter which is unique and personal to everyone. Uh, and so then the following, you go to bed then, and you sleep the sleep of the just, as they say. You're up for Mass at 6.30. You do one more station prayer, and you leave the island at 9. So you're not actually on the island uh, for three days. You, you come on, say, on day one, you come on around uh, the early afternoon, and you're gone by the first thing of, of morning in day three. But the fast continues to midnight. You have another lockdown-type meal uh, off the island, and you fast to midnight. Uh, that's, uh, I hope that's helpful enough. Then for those who can't do that, then, Father, I think there's a one day available at different times, uh, at other times. The, the one day is available then. They're usually themed, so there may be one for the elderly, there may be one for school children, and there may be there are some open days, I think, just retreat days for anybody. There's no fasting involved. You're not actually allowed to take off your shoes in order to preserve the, the integrity, if you like, of the three-day pilgrimage. Uh, there's no fasting. There's a simple meal, but there's no fasting, and it's more a retreat, really, than the, the three-day type pilgrimage. But it is wonderful. It's a great exposure to the, sanct- the sanctuary of the island, and that's an interesting word. I mean, if you actually on uh, uh, Google uh, uh, Loch Derg, it'll come up as St. Patrick's Sanctuary, and mm-hmm. that's every bit yeah. as old as purgatory. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the old Irish word for sanctuary is charman, and there are a lot of uh, local places around here named as Terman or charman. And we do think today that for a lot of people suffering all kinds of mental and spiritual challenges, uh, we know that they find sanctuary here in Loch Derg. They find a place where they can uh, reconnect. Uh, there's a counselling service, for example, during the pilgrimage, as well as the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Staff, uh, priests like myself and others are available for one-to-one conversations. And in a sense, there's an anonymity about the pilgrimage as well. You can come here, you can maybe explore something in a very safe way, and, and leave it here. You know, I often say to pilgrims, there's lots of places around this island where you can leave something if you want uh, after you. Um, but that idea of sanctuary, I think, is, is that old idea where you could go to a church for sanctuary is a place where you could feel safe. I think that very much operates here. And, and I assume that, that the three-day uh, three programme really gives people a chance to leave the world behind. It, it might take them a few, the first few hours and so on and so forth, but then after that, then, they're into the prayer ritual and then they're into... Maybe their own relationship with God after that. It's it's very much, I think, a, a a place of healing. It's very much a place where where people. But of course, a lot of that is because that's what people come for. So even the very intention, you know, you set out from your home, you set out, uh, you know, you intend, you leave yourself open then uh, to being touched and healed in, the, in in that particular way. And of course, I suppose, in a sense, part of the success of Loch Derg is also partly the reason why people don't talk a lot about it, because it's so deeply personal, what happens mm. here. 
Uh, you know, the people don't necessarily want to go away. They're not going to necessarily go back to their workplace and say, you know, this is what happened for, to me. But but what really is extraordinary is the number of people who come year after year. And I would say for a lot of pilgrims, maybe for 50 or 60 percent, this is like their annual um, check-in with the institutional church. A lot of pilgrims probably don't necessarily regularly practice otherwise. I mean, it, certainly I would say the majority of confessions I hear, this is the only place uh, those people go to confession is on Lockdurg. And people don't necessarily have to be Catholics to go to Lockdurg, Father Aaron? No, I, you know, I mean, obviously it's deeply Catholic, but mm. in fact, I have come across pro- uh, members of the of, of the Reformed tradition, various Protestant churches. I've come across people who are Buddhist uh, coming here uh, as well. Uh, but obviously he's uncompromising in the Catholic tradition. And, you know, you're saying prayers like Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be to the Father, the Creed. Uh, repeatedly, almost like a mantra. You're also, um, uh, you know, it's the sac- it's sacramental, the sacrament of reconciliation, uh, like the Eucharist, and uh, renewal of baptism and promises. But uh, no, I mean, this is not the kind of place, as indeed with most places of pilgrimage, it's a place of sanctuary and it's a place of welcome. Okay. And I suppose at this stage, if, if people were interested, Father, how, how could they start to get booked? I, I'm sure. Yeah, the, the, it, look, if they Google it, it'll turn up. I mean, the internet, I suppose, org. it's L-O-U-G-H, uh, lockderg.org is the website, and I'll say great work is done in that regard. I, I think it's a pity. Um, what we found is that it is helpful, certainly if people are coming for the first time. It depends on your personality. You can certainly come alone, and I think you will you will find yourself... Uh, supported by fellow pilgrims to the extent you wish to be. But I do think for people coming alone, particularly younger people coming for the first time to come as a group, most successfully tend to be parish groups or school groups. And if you could, you know, fill a car with a few friends and say, look, we'll do Lockdurg this weekend, you know, or we'll do Lockdurg for these few days. Um, Interestingly, a high number of people from what we call the caring professions, uh, people who need a lot of resilience in their daily lives, I met an airline pilot the other day, uh, nurses, doctors, uh, people who are on the front line of dealing with human fragility. Uh, they want to build up spiritual muscle. They want to be strong um, and resilient uh, for their day-to-day lives. Mothers, uh, people worried about members of their family. Um, members of the traveling community are very supportive of Loch Derg. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, it's an extraordinary place. And of course, it's been you know, heralded and, and, and recounted uh, in poetry uh, quite accurately. Kavanagh, uh, Heaney, and so on have written uh, wonderful poems about Loch Derg. I, I think it's a little unfortunate that any time we see anything in the mainstream media, they tend to sensationalise the the physical um, demands of it. Even even uh, actually um, uh, maliciously almost. There was a piece there not so long ago talking about bloodstained bandages and so on. Utter nonsense and rubbish. Mm. Uh, you know, it's nothing like that at all. This is obviously a first aid place on board if somebody has a, uh, an accident. But those things rarely, rarely, rarely happen, you know. Mm. It's actually quite safe and, and very supportive. I think the cost is €75 Euros this year, I think, for the three-day... Uh, yeah, I haven't checked the... Uh, yeah, I I'm coming back myself on the 27th, please God, with a group from Mary I, uh, to 27th of July. We're planning to do it in a month's time, so... I'll find out then just uh, <laughs> how expensive it is. And I might so, just I might just give the mo- uh, I might just give the phone number there. It, it's zero uh, seven one. Phone number is oh eight seven. Uh, sorry, oh seven one nine eight six one five one eight. Oh seven one nine eight six one five one eight. John, and, if, uh, if I can just jump in there for anyone from West Limerick that wants to do a three day pilgrimage to Loch Derg, 
you need to talk to Abbey Coaches or Fitzpatrick's of Estol. They're actually planning to take a bus up on the 10th to the 12th of July for three days. And then they're taking a second one up on the 10th to the 12th of August. So further information, contact 87 So that's 87 So that's Fitzpatrick's of Listowel that uh, they run a bus up. And I've gone with them myself in previous years. Uh, they, they, they run up to, to, to the island and they, they bring you home again. Uh, so if people are interested in going from the West Limerick side. Father Eamon, at this stage, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're very busy there on the island and we'll certainly keep you all in prayer as I hope you'll keep us in prayer, please. I will indeed. And, you know, it's, it, what I love about Loch Derg, I say it's a real storehouse of prayer. You know, there's a lovely line of one of the hymns that says, um, as over continent and island, the dawn leads on another day. The voice of prayer is never silent, nor dies the strain of praise away. And to think that here on this island from the 1st of June to the 15th of August, there's prayer going on 24-7. And, you know, you can see that as a depository of prayer uh, from which people who may not be able to make the pilgrimage can nonetheless draw upon. And, uh, you know, even those, you know, if you're not physically on the island, you can, I think, very much benefit from, from the prayerfulness of this sacred space and it really is for you know i'm delighted to have the chance on your sacred space to speak about this sacred space so thank you very much thank you very much, thank you very much. and we, we just might go with the same bit of music as we had a few years ago i think it's a favorite it's come as you are by paul gar so father god bless you all now thanks father bye bye now. thanks for the music come as you are that's how i want as you are, feel quite at home, close to my heart, loved and forgiven. Come as you are, why stand alone? Sacred Space.